I love it. I am um, super excited about the holidays, and I'm super, super excited um, about what we get to do for the next four weeks. Um, so for the next four weeks, what we're going to do is look at a bunch of the names of God. And um, it, I love Christmas just because, I don't know, I gripe a lot. <laughs> I hate hauling trees out of attics, and I hate setting them up. But once they are, man, I could just turn that Christmas tree light on and turn the fire on because ours has a switch. And, and just, like, totally chill out, you know. I find myself not wanting to go places, and I, I found my no-sugar-added hot cocoa, and so I'm good. I just look forward to it. There's something about family and there's something about home. And it's weird how we're kind of programmed that way, even though some of my Christmases in the past have been rocky at best, you know. But it's still, there's just something great about it. But even more so because of this. I, um, I just got super, super excited about just looking at who he is, who the, who the Savior is. And um, it's really funny because I didn't, it wasn't like, oh, let's make this a Christmas series or anything. It just kind of works this way. Like, it just works this way. I just, like, God was such, I just, I've been fascinated, you know? So, hey, you, you might ask, have you guys ever heard the phrase, what's in a name? Everybody, uh, do you know where it comes from? Anybody? It comes from Romeo and Juliet. Shakespeare penned it. And, and this was his line. What's in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell just as sweet. So his point in Romeo and Juliet was, it really doesn't matter what you title it, it is what it is, Right? And so I just want to tell you that I totally disagree with Shakespeare this morning. I get that in literature and I get that in plays, but I don't get that when it comes to certain names. And in this case, the names of Jesus. The, the song, Carrick, Way to Go, Man. Joe got sick. Carrick just punted, like, and led us in worship. Um, it's awesome. But the song he was singing, John Waller's song, that I love to say your name, like, that song to me is just so cool. He does these names in that song. He does Elohim, my creator. Okay, that's a name. That's a Hebrew name. So they're just giving it to you in Hebrew, right? So you could just say my creator. But Elohim, my creator, Adonai, Lord and master, El Shaddai, God of blessings, Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Some of you probably, if you listen to Christian music, are grooving on that Maverick City one, right? Uh, Jireh, right? That song. Um, Elion, most high, Jehovah Shalom, peace of my heart. I could use some of that. Anybody else? Okay. Um, Jehovah Rapha, God, my healer. Jehovah Shammah, God who never leaves us. Boy, that one's, that one's good for me. I have abandonment issues. I think I deal with them, and then it happens again. Anybody else in that pie? No? Okay. What I love in Waller's song is when he writes this. Like, he writes this line that says, I love to sing your name, to put them on display. I love to hear it falling from my lips. And it just caused me to just think about the fact that how often do I actually say his name? Like, I'm always saying Amber's name, and, I, and then she has other names, right? Sweetie, cutie, you know, et cetera. And so it's like we thank each other, we talk to each other, and how often do I just, like, say his name? Now, John Waller's talking about God, and these Hebrew names he's giving you, then he has to give you the translation of it, which is cool. But all of those describe God, right? And really, God the Father, is really the, the person of, of God they're talking about. But um, when, I, when I was listening to John's song, I was actually doing this Bible study called Experiencing God that I hope somebody will do with me. I gotta find time this year to do it. I'm gonna do it again because I just wanna take other people with me because it just rocked my world. Like it just really, it kind of fanned the flames of faith again for me. Sometimes we can get busy. Sometimes we can forget where this started, how excited I was when I, 
first felt forgiveness, when I first felt freedom, when I found faith. And so I just want that for everybody. Um, but when I, so I was listening to it under this Bible study, and all of a sudden it just made me think about like what names, so these are names of God, but what names are there for Jesus? And so nerd me, I started nerding out. And I went out and I searched. I found over 100 names for uh, God. You just saw them all fly up on the screen for Jesus. 100 names for Jesus. So it's a 99 alternate names for Jesus. And this is why I don't agree with Shakespeare. Because every one of those helps me understand this one guy better, this one savior better, right? When I, when I read like some of the common ones, like child of God, well, that's easy. It's Christmas, right? He was born of a virgin, right? Laid in a manger. He is, Jesus is, God's son, born of Mary, right? So, I mean, that gets it. But, but it really tells me that name, child of God, reminds me and teaches me something about him, that his father was not Joseph. His father was God, like that, and that's really important because that becomes our heritage. And then other ones we know, like did you see Messiah pop up there, right? So Messiah, which is is a name for Jesus that means Savior, which means like he can rescue you. So like if if I fall off the boat, he's got the life ring, the rope, he can get me. If he doesn't have life ring, he could jump in, which is what he did. He jumped in by coming into this world and telling us that God loved us and kind of showing us how to get back, right? And then he really jumped in when he climbed up on a cross and gave his life for us. And he didn't, that's not dramatic. Or, oh, you should feel bad. He didn't feel bad. He was like, good, I'm good. I, you can get hit by the car. I can get by I'm going to get hit by the car. And he, and he provided forgiveness. So there's a lot of those common ones that I read when I started searching. And then I found some I don't, haven't heard in a while, like Lord of Lords. You don't hear a lot of that. You, there's some of my more Pentecostal friends, they're, they're doing Lord of Lords all the time. But most of the mainstream churches, you know, we're not like, you know, he's the Lord of Lords. It's just that older kind of saying. You don't hear it much. But that means this. Like, you could line up all of the leaders and all the lords of this earth. He is the Lord of them, whether they know it or not. And then I saw blessed of God. Like, I don't even know if I've ever read that before. I mean, I know I have because I've read the Bible. But blessed of God. What, what, do, you see, do you see what I'm saying, though? But every time you hear one of these names, right, it gives you a little more of his character, a little more of who Jesus is or who he is to me. So 100 plus names of God. So what I thought we'd do is we're going to just do one a week for the next two years. We're just going to do That's a little long, huh? So what I did find was this, is that um, we're going to do four weeks. These four names that were just jumped off the page we're going to do. And, and then we're going to finish up on Christmas Eve. I just want to remind you, if you have nowhere to be on Christmas Eve, man, you need to be here. Even if you're doing family, drag your family here. It's going to be so cool. The band has got all kinds of cool Christmas carols and everything else going on. And we have cocoa and coffee. And it's just going to be fun. And at the same time, we're going to talk about the coolest name of Jesus. Anyway, I'm not going to tell you. Spoil alert. So invite the people. Um, the name that I want to talk about today is Everlasting Father. I don't know if you saw that in the scrolling, but it really weirded me out. Like, it totally weirded me out. And, and if you don't understand why, it's because I was like, I've always been told that Jesus was my brother, right? Jesus is my brother. So how could Jesus be my brother and my father? I did mission work in inner city Philadelphia for two years, and there was a lot of that. And I don't think it's biblical. 
So it's like, how can my brother be my father? Is he my father? Is he my brother? And it just weirded me out, and it started messing with my mind. And of course, because I'm who I am, I decided to like dive in. Because I thought he was, my, he was the son of God, right? So he's the son of God to me. He's my brother to me. But this title says everlasting father. And so I'm just like, I don't, I don't get it. Does that make sense? Yeah? That you don't, no? Then, okay. That's all right. It weirded me out. And I wanted to know. So I started looking it up. And first thing I did was looked up where everlasting father was at, right? Because I, I had to go back to my notes. It's found in Isaiah 9, 6. And what's going to blow your mind is, if you've never heard this name for Jesus, I'm going to catch you because we've all heard it. If you've been around Church Christmas or Charlie Brown, you have heard this name and you don't know it. In Isaiah 9, 6, and it says this, for a child is born to us, sound familiar? A son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Okay, who's like, never noticed that before? So I just started looking to see what it meant. And uh, Google's great, and people are crazy. Um, man, I saw people take this one, these two words, and try to say, well, there is no God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because this says Jesus is what? The everlasting Father. So there's just none of that. Oh, they just went crazy. And other people, they're fighting. These people need to stop going to school, and they need to just read the Bible. You know, we all know that God presented himself to us as what? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He said it. It's in the Bible. We've seen it. It's in the Old Testament, the New Testament. So you just got to stay out of it. Is it okay to say, I just don't get it? Yeah. I ran across a sermon from a guy named Charles Spurgeon. Way, way old guy. Way long dead. In England, he, he reached more people for Christ probably than we ever will in our lifetime. And he, and he, I found one of his old sermons, and he explained this, and he did the absolute best job. So thanks, Charles, and I'm going to share with you his four points. His sermon was 22 pages long, <laughs> but I'm just going to share you the four things. That I would, they jumped off the page. I was like, well, that makes sense. And, of course, there's scripture for all of it. He wrote this. The phrase everlasting father has no bearing on the position of God as God presented them. In other words, this everlasting father phrase has nothing to do with father, son, and spirit. The titles, the names, the way God presented it. In other words, God is father, son, and spirit, and Jesus will always be the son. So he's just cementing that. We know that from God's word. And he goes on to say this. Father, and oh, it, it, the light bulb's gonna go off. You just love when you find somebody smart and you go, duh. All throughout the Bible, the word father is used to represent or denote somebody who's just in charge of something, right? The father of a nation, the father of a movement, right? Martin Luther King, the, we called him that, the father of a movement, right? The father of a family, the father of a, so we use, we use this for all kinds of things, right? If you look cover to cover in the Bible, you see the same thing. So Spurgeon then writes this, Jesus is the father of eternity for us, because he is without beginning or end. That makes sense now, right? So the cool thing is, and you rarely hear me talk about Hebrew, but I, in, in this Hebrew phrase, 
or it, it, okay, that says he is the everlasting father. You can flip it and be father everlasting. And either way in Hebrew, it's, it's not like a title. It's like a description. Well, Jesus is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, right? He is the father of everlasting. And, the, and then Spurgeon made this point. I love this. He's the father as in like he's the founder of our faith. Would there be any faith without Jesus? And the answer is no. Would there be any salvation without Jesus? And the answer is no. So he's the father of our faith. Not taking the place of Father God. It's just a descriptor, right? Okay. He's the father in the same sense that he's the life giver. Right? It's like metaphorically, he is the one who gives us life. He is the father, right, everlasting. And then I love this point he made, just genius to me, that Jesus is the father of a new age. The Old Testament went away, the law went away, the sacrifices of animals, all that went away. And who became the father of this new age? Who ushered it in? Jesus. He ushered it in with his birth. Merry Christmas. He ushered it in with his death. Happy Easter. And he is the father of this new age. So a cool thing happened. As I started looking at the 100 names, I began to realize there was a pile of them that all fit this idea of Jesus as what? The founder of our faith, the founder and father of the new age, the everlasting father for everything. That the government itself, he was, he's the founder and in the, in the father in the sense of this almost, what do you, I would say federally. I know we, we think federally, we think tax, but if federally it means the, 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 the nation or the government. And the government's going to be in his shoulders, right? Isaiah 9, 6 says that. So out of the hundred, I'm gonna, I'll just read these real quick. These are the ones I piled in. He is the blessed and only potentate. I love that word. Nobody uses that word anymore. Does anybody not know what that word means? Potentate is like, I'm the man. <laughs> so it'd be like the king. It could be a king, the Lord, whoever. It's whoever is absolutely in charge. Like somebody calls you potentate, you got it. You're done. You're the man. Okay? Chief shepherd, deliverer, first begotten, everlasting, good shepherd, governor, great high priest, head of the church, Jehovah, Judge of Israel, that makes sense, right? He begins the new age. Who looks back and judges the old age? Jesus. The king, the king of the ages, the king of kings, the king of saints, the lawgiver. And what's his new law, by the way? Does anyone want to say it with me? Love the Lord your God, with all, right? With all your what? Heart, soul, and mind, or strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Leader and commander, Lord of all, Lord of glory, Lord of lords, Lord of our righteousness. He is Lord and King. Like it totally makes sense now, right? Wonderful counselor, everlasting father. Do you see why I like the names all of a sudden? These hundred names, like it's like taking a black and white canvas and I've got a total picture of Jesus, but I'm putting color on it. And it makes it easier for earthly Doug to get a grip. And when's the last time you thought about him being the king of all eternity. When's the last time you thought about him being the Lord and founder of the faith? Without him, there'd be nothing. I mean, if he walked in the room right now, our attitude would be different just hearing these words so far, right? But it got really cool for me when I saw this name for him, Adam, 
I never, I, I totally forgot that Jesus was called Adam. Let me, let me read you the verse. It's in 1 Corinthians 15, 45. It says this. The first Adam became a living person. That's who? Adam that God created, the very first man. He was what? Physical, right? But the last Adam, that is Christ, Jesus, is a life-giving spirit. And then I was like, well, that's cool. What the heck does that mean? And I started reading, and it just all came together for me because it was just like the Holy Spirit hopped in me, or God did, and went, duh. Think about this. Adam was the first Adam, right? Adam was the first Adam. And, and, and he and his lovely wife brought sin to the world, and sin resulted in this idea of death. In other words, we were separated from God, which means we died. We weren't fully alive. A piece of us was forever damaged. We, we didn't have the Holy Spirit in us. We didn't have the same communion with God. Adam, the first Adam, was fleshly. But when Jesus, the second Adam, came into the world, he brought life. So whereas the first Adam brought death, the second one brought life. And he did it by his choice. He did it by his choice, right, to give up his glory and his position in heaven and to come to earth. He did it by his choice to be obedient to the Father while on earth, to do the things that God put in front of him so that we would hear. And he did it by climbing up on a cross. He did it by his choice. Here's how Paul puts it in Romans chapter 5. When Adam sinned, sin entered the world, right? It was the first sin. There had never been sin. Sin entered the world. And Adam's sin brought death, so death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Is there anybody in the room who has not sinned? Okay, so that just puts a little nail in the scripture. Everybody sinned, and the reason you sin is because Adam ushered sin into this world. Adam and Eve did the first sin. Adam is the father of all people. That's, that's our earthly lineage. You will trace your lineage back to Adam. He is the beginning. He is your great, 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 great grandfather. Romans 5.15 adds this. For the sin of this one man, Adam, brought death to many. But even greater is God's wonderful grace and his gift of forgiveness to many through this other Adam, man, Jesus. So in the same way that Adam is our fleshly father, Jesus, the second Adam, is our spiritual father, our everlasting father. When I accepted him, when I, when I said, hey, I believe in you, when I said I need forgiveness, when I want to go back to being complete, I've done this on my own. It hasn't worked. He became my spiritual father. He made me alive. I think this is all pretty incredible. So I'm going to be corny for a minute. And when, you, when, you, when, you, when, when you're planning to say something, you say you're going to be corny, the question is, why do you leave it in? Why don't you just come up with something cooler to say? And the reason is, is because I don't know of any other way to say this that it'll bing you in the head. Who's your daddy? 
Who's your daddy? Mine's God. Mine, in this sense of everlasting father, is Jesus. He's the father of my faith. He has given me life. He is the governor of my life, federally speaking. He is my counselor. He is my everlasting father. If you've ever read the Bible at all, and if you've ever been in discipleship, you know this one fact. I really hate talking about this because it just sounds caustic, but I'm just telling you, if God be God and the Bible be true, this is what it teaches, I'm sorry. There are only two families, two spiritual families in existence. There is the family of God and there is the family of Satan. It is just written in black and white. You either follow God and you're in that family or you don't follow God and you're in Satan's family. I hate, it sounds so harsh. I remember before I was saved and people would say stuff like this. I'm like, oh. But the point is, is it's true. And maybe we just need to say it sometimes. Now that must sound harsh, but your daddy determines your destination. And you guys know this is true. In a physical sense, just an earthly sense, who your daddy was, your real daddy, your earthly gave birth to you donor daddy, so often determines the destination. And often mom has to pick up and fix it all. We've been there. But in a spiritual sense, your daddy determines your destination. If your daddy is God, then you have the spirit of God in you. You have access to all the promises and the power of God. You have been forgiven, and your eternal destination is heaven, living forever eternally with him. But if you're in the other family, the family of Satan, oh, it's so hard to hear, but you just don't believe in God, then you have a hole in your life because you inherited that same hole, that emptiness from Adam who sinned first, and from the moment you sinned, you broke the deal because in essence, when we sin, what we say is, I don't want you to be my daddy. I don't respect you. I don't love you. Whether you say that literally or not, you still say it figuratively and by your actions. And we all say actions speak louder than words. So when we don't follow him, he's not our daddy. And the problem with that is, is we're designed to live with him. We are created by him. The verse that named Jesus as Adam has a few verses after it, and, and I'd like to look at him. The first man, Adam, remember this, became a living person, but the last man, Adam, that is Christ, is a life-giving spirit. That's where we left it. Read this. What comes first is the natural body, then the spiritual body comes later. So in our world, you are born what? With your mom and your dad. Adam... The first man was made from the dust of the earth, while Christ, the second man, came from heaven. Are you really, pay attention. It sounds complex, it's so simple. In other words, flesh begets flesh, earth begets earth, heaven begets spirit. Earthly people are like earthly man. Heavenly people are like heavenly man. And just as we are now like earthly man, if you're a believer, we will someday be like heavenly man. Your daddy determines your destination. Here's what it says. First comes the natural, then comes the spiritual. Our flesh father was Adam. Our spiritual father is Jesus. And because we're his children, 
we have access to him. What an incredible, cool thing. A God who is all-loving, all-knowing, all-powerful, we have access to him. A God who is incredible, who cares for us, who's, if you just, even if you don't believe, if you just take all his truths and apply them, you'll become wealthier, wiser, and healthier. But when you saw that, why wouldn't you give tribute? There's this verse um, in John 3, and, and it's one of my favorite passages because none of this is a new thing. This first comes flesh, then comes spirit. This you have to be born again. I remember people saying that. Did y'all ever hear that? You have to be born again. And I'm kind of like, eh, what does that mean? Like those are your club words. They're, I need you to define that for me. What does that mean? Well, you just say this prayer and I get born again. What does that mean? Well, it all comes from this one passage. It's a genius passage of scripture. Super smart theologian who was Jewish met Jesus one day. He was troubled because Jesus kept saying, I'm the way, the truth, and life, and I can forgive you. Well, this smart scholar knew that he was waiting for the Savior to come, and he knew the story of his birth and everything. So like, he wanted to believe in him. He's just like, Jesus, you got to convince me. I'm a little bit confused. And this is what Jesus said. I tell you the truth, smart man. Unless you're born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Stop there. Everybody look at me. Don't look at the screen. Listen to me. You, we all need to hear this. Unless you are born again, you will not enter the kingdom of God. Don't tell me that you're saved because your mama's saved. Don't tell me that your grandma prayed over you and you're good. Let me just say this. There's no better time to say this. Like he came as a baby to deliver this message. It's a good message. <laughs> okay? Unless you're born again, you don't enter the kingdom of God. And he came to tell us how for that to happen. Now watch what happens. What do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus. He was the smart man. How can an old man go back in his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus replied, you know, sometimes I think Jesus would be like, duh, come on, don't you get it? I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. And this is where a bunch of crazy church peoples decided that you had to be baptized to be saved. Get it? The spirit, then you had to be dunked. If only they would have read on. Humans reproduce human life, but only the Holy Spirit can give spiritual life. Duh, what's he saying? Born of water. We all know. Your water breaks, right? You're carrying the baby in water. Born of flesh. You were born of flesh first, first flesh, and then spiritual birth. It takes both to enter the kingdom of God. Because if you aren't born of the flesh, then you don't exist. And once you exist, you exist imperfectly because of the sin of Adam. Because of the sin of your forefathers and because of your own sin. And then you need to be born again. And the one who borns you again is the Holy Spirit. And the one who ushers the Spirit to you is Jesus, the everlasting Father of eternity and your life. So I want to ask again, who's your daddy? I mean, really, look at your life. Who's your daddy? Are you living like he's your dad? Or is it just words? Have you been born again? So if you're a Christian, my question to you is, if you're sure that he's your daddy, I want to ask you, whose daddy are you going to be? You'll never be Jesus. You'll never be the everlasting father. But he said, I go to heaven and I want you to lead people to me. 
In other words, you're like the stand-in, the surrogate. We are the hands and feet of Jesus. Paul said this, didn't he? Paul considered every single person he won to Christ his child. And he didn't mean that like he was their child, he was taking God's place. It was just a metaphor. He was responsible for them finding new life, and he felt responsible, and I wish every church would get this, for helping them mature. So often churches get us saved, celebrate, put us in a high chair, and we never get anything else. We never grow up. So who are you going to be the mom to? Who are you going to be dad to? Who are you trying to deliver into life? And if you're not a believer in Christ, here it is, the thing you've been waiting for, the point where you're challenged to make a decision. I say this not laughing at you. I just remember going to church for years, hearing these guys up there say stuff and make us sing songs and everybody try every trick in the world. I'm not trying to trick. I'm just telling you. The Bible is clear. You're either in God's family or you're in Satan's family. There are only good and evil. That is all that exists. If that's not the case, then the Bible's not true. You don't believe in God, and I'm good. I get it. But if your daddy determines your destination, where are you headed tomorrow? Where are you headed in 10 years? And where are you headed when you die? And I just think that's a question that maybe you should sit on and ask yourself. Am I all that I could be? Could there be something to this everlasting Father Jesus? Could there be something to the Savior? Could it just work for me like it's worked for a bunch of other normal people? And I challenge you to ask yourself that. Who is your daddy? If you ever go like, well, duh, I really, really, really am getting this. And I want to be in God's family. You can say a simple prayer. It goes like this. I believe in you. Help me believe. Forgive me. And that's about all it takes. And then pour your heart out to him. You might want to start with that list of stuff that you know you need to settle that you feel so shameful about. He doesn't feel shameful about it, but it'll help you to get it off your heart. And let him forgive you. And then maybe line up with your list of questions and problems and stay away from all the theological stuff. At Christmas, a baby was born of a virgin in a manger who grew up incredibly, the son of God on earth who gave his life for us so we could be saved and be forgiven and get back to God. That's the good news. Not a bunch of mumbo jumbo church stuff. Who's your daddy? Father, thanks for who you are. I'm glad that you are my daddy. I'm glad that you are my everlasting father, Jesus. I thank you for great saints that went before us like Charles Spurgeon. I thank you for people who are creative like John Waller who make my faith so much fuller and so much better. And I pray in some way that you could take my words today and maybe do that for somebody in this room. I am tired of watching people live less than lives. I want them to have their best days. I realize I don't control that. Father, if my words aren't good enough, then get somebody up here who can win and woo and show people. Mainly, Father, I pray that you in some miraculous way would just like chirp in and chime in in people's hearts. Thank you for being our everlasting Father.